All right. Welcome back to Black and White Christianity. We're your hosts, Walter Mitchell. Eric Osborne. Hey, it's good to see you. Likewise, brother. How are you? <laughs> good. I'm good. And I hope that everyone who's listening is doing well. I hope this podcast has found you well. Tonight, we're going to be talking about what it is to be a godly husband. Now, I must preface this <laughs> to before we get started. I am not a perfect husband. So when we speak about these things, I don't want you to think these guys act like they got it together. Not so. I certainly do not. Nor does Tyreek. We are, we are just bringing the word and this is as much for you as it is for us. So let's talk about it. What it is to be a godly husband. <laughs> Go ahead. What were you, what'd you say? It's already the other way around. This is as much for us as it is for you, but it's all right. Well, whatever. <laughs> um, be a godly husband. What would you say off the top is one of the uh, biggest challenges in that in the culture we live in? Um, just just for how it is, how it comes across. Being a godly husband is difficult for for many reasons and and one of those reasons is that um we we base we base our preference our our uh desire on being a godly husband upon how our spouse is acting like oh my spouse wants to act like that today then i'm not going to do this that this then the third and that's not that's not something that we should do that's not something that we should practice we have to learn the Bible says, isn't it better to be cheated? We have to know that we that when these things happen to us, that we have to be the example. We have to follow Christ's example, and we have to be the rock. When there's a shifting of what's going on in our relationship, we can't falter. We got to stand on the word of God. So one of the one of the main things that I think is just a a, um, a hard sell to being a godly husband is the tit for tat that comes with um, consternation in the relationship. Well said. And let's start out um, this podcast with some scripture, with that opening statement that was said, which I think was well said. Uh, I want us to go to 1 Peter 3, 7. And it says, husbands in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. So I, I think this particular scripture speaks to us today in the way of, I don't think a lot of people designate action with the hindering of prayers. Some people don't even know that. Some Christians don't have any idea that they could do something that would turn the Lord's ear off to your prayer. That sounds strange to people who have not read that in the word. Wait a minute. I thought God always heard me no matter what I did. He was going to hear me. That's just not what the word says. There's a multitude of different ways the Lord will turn his ear away from you. And this being one of them. Um, and so be considerate. I think that's a big key word in this to be considerate to be self-sacrificing, to, to live sacrificially for your wife. That is difficult if you are placing your godly husband duty in the hands of if they do what they need to do. 
I'll be a good husband as long as you do what you know you're supposed to do. So <laughs> you're, you're placing your responsibility on the shoulders of your woman. As long as she does what she does, you're going to do what you do. And just, just to, just to double down on what you said, exactly what we, what we said earlier is our commitment to being a godly husband is dependent on whether outside forces play ball if that makes any sense at all everything has to go right for me to do what i'm supposed to do and to um you know i i answered your first question in the way that i answered it because i wanted to clearly get that one out the way but what i have prepared here is um an understanding that to be a godly husband, you have to understand that you are not, this is gonna be rough for some people, you are not being a godly husband per se to your wife. You're being a godly husband under God, if that makes any sense. So what you are doing, first you have to be godly, which is submitting yourself to God's word and what he desires from you, what he would have you to do. And the only way that you would know that is by being in the word and reading. Like you said, you want the wife to do what she's supposed to do, but as men, as as, uh, godly husbands, do we know what we're supposed to do? Have we done the research? Have we gotten into the word to find out what is our responsibilities as a godly husband? And before we can even tackle the issue of what it is to be a godly husband first you have to be godly you have to be a believer so what i have here is three scriptures that i just want to rattle off they're all short it's first corinthians chapter eight and three but if anyone loves god he is known by him so if anyone if anyone loves god he's known by him okay john 14 and 15 if you love me keep my commandments so there it is again and then um First John 4, 7, and 21. I'm going to go ahead and give uh, give the uh, audience the opportunity to go ahead and read that for themselves. But the overarching theme of that is God is love. So with all of that being said, first and foremost, God is love. So it is impossible for you as a human to give the kind of love that is necessary, that is pleasing unto God. If you are first not godly and you are not and you are not following his commands, his precepts, uh, his judgments, all of these different things, then um, you have to, anyone that loves God is known by him. So we, we have this conversation a lot where we're like, you know, we don't wanna be in a place of delusion. We don't wanna be in a place where we're thinking to ourselves, are, are we doing what we're supposed to be doing? Where are, are we? Are we acting in accordance to the way that we should be acting as, you know, men of God? And <clears throat> right here is saying, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So if, if you love me, you keep my commandments. That's an action. That's not an emotion. That's not an emotional response. That's not any of those different kind of things. These are actions. So therefore, you need to know what is required of you, act upon them, and then acting upon these things, you are you are letting God know that you love Him, and in that way, you are known by Him. So it 
the same way that our relationship with God is, is one of obedience, one of following directions, and one of carrying them out with a joyful heart and the right mindset and all of those different things, when we have that kind of relationship with God, then that can trickle down to our wives. Then we can become the person that, the people that God has us to be for our wives. In, in the case that it is selfless service to our wives, for our wives, but no, to our wives, for God, if that makes any sense. It is selfless service in that way. So now we are not thinking about if she does what she's supposed to do, or if my children do what they are supposed to do, or any of those different kind of things, we are doing what we're supposed to do in obedience to God outside of extenuating circumstances. So my question to you is, do you think that that is on the mark or do you have something more you would like to add or you lightly disagree? Let me know how you feel about that. No, I thought, I thought you did a good job with that is, is pretty much doubling down at what I already said. I think to add to what you had said, not only doing what you should be doing, not having what your responsibilities dictated by somebody else's responsibilities, whether they follow them or not. Like my wife wants to act crazy today. Therefore, I'm not going to do things that I know I'm supposed to do via the word because it won't be appreciated. And that was my next point. Do what you're supposed to do without expecting any gratitude because your gratitude's not coming from your woman. The gratitude is coming from the almighty that you're being obedient. So Leave room for the Lord to deal with the scenario. I've learned one thing being married. You can't change your spouse. No. Can't change it. You, know, you, you, you can't do anything to force them without going to prison to do anything. So it really comes down to servant mindset. And we have to understand the Lord sees you. He sees you. You're not going unnoticed. Look at me. I'm just over here doing all this and she's over here not doing nothing. And so look, I'm just, I'm doing her work, my work, kids work. I'm just over here breaking my back. It's not going unseen. Now there needs to be, this is another reason why I would encourage all young men, make sure you find a godly woman, because this is going to be very difficult for you if you find a worldly woman, because it is always going to feel like you're being trampled upon. She is not going to submit to you as scripture says, and it's going to be very hard for you to respect her as scripture says, because she is of the world. So be very, very careful who you choose to pair yourself with. The other part of this is to treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as an heirs of the gracious gift of life. That is not to say, hey, look, I'm way stronger than you, better than you. I do stuff nicer than you. That's what scripture says. It is not for you to lord it over them in this way. It is to treat them with respect and understand that there is a pecking order between men and women, and men are built stronger than women. I know there's this big feminism movement right now where everybody says, you know, women can do the same as men. That's not how it was supposed to be, okay? Women have their own set of skills, and men have their own set of skills, and it's supposed to work in harmony. Not this whole side by side. And when I say side by side, not in like a, a unison thing. I mean, like she could do the things that a man can do and a man can do the things that a woman. I can't have a child. I don't care what all this nut job things going on right now saying a man can have a child. I cannot. 
cannot birth a child, cannot breastfeed a child, can't do none of those things. So I just wanted to continue on in that way and say, treat them as heirs. That's not only your wife, but it's your sister in the mm -hmm. Lord. Yes. The, there, there is no marriage in heaven. So you have to understand she is going to be an heir just as you are going to be an heir. She's not a slave to you. You're not her master. It is supposed to work in unison. But everybody has to know their place. And I think that's key. Know your place. The hindering of prayers. I really wish that this would be talked about more because a lot of people will say, well, I just don't feel like the Lord's answering my prayers. He's not hearing me. I wish people had a checklist of, are you being harsh to your wife? Are you hiding iniquity in your heart? Are you doing this? Are you doing that? Are, are you doing things that will turn the ears of the Lord off to you? Um, so that would be what I would say, finishing up with what you had commented on and then finishing up the scripture. Did you have more to say or going in another direction? Nope. Same direction. You said, uh, know your place. And I think that's a big deal. That's a big deal in the church. And, and you know what? In church, absolutely. In society, for sure. There is a there is a section of, of a movement, as you said, where people do, they no longer know their place. They don't know their place in their gender. They don't know their place um, in, in the um, in the uh, hierarchy of things because there is a hierarchy and they don't know their place in scripture. And when I say they don't know their place in scripture, it's how, how can you conduct yourself if you do not know how you are supposed to conduct yourself? If you're just going around based on feelings, how you feel, what your heart tells you, the heart is the most wicked thing that a man possesses, man, woman, whoever, like it's the most wicked that that you possess so to go off of how you feel is folly always you need to have a standard and you need to uh, adhere to said standard and the one who sets the standard is the almighty first corinthians chapter 11 and 3 but i would have you know that the head of every man is christ and the head of the woman is the man and the head of christ is god you cannot mess that up. If you if you go in church and you read that, then you understand. You have to obey. And that is something that people push back from. I want to be the captain of my own ship. I want to, I want to set my own course. I want to do this and do that. You see this in men, you see this in women, and you see this in children. The thing about children is the Bible lets us know if you love your child, you will, you will chasten them, you will correct them. Can you correct your wife? Chastening and speaking? No. Like you said to what you said earlier, these are the things that you need to make sure before you get married, that you are not unequally yoked, that that woman that you pair yourself with is broken by scripture and does not break scripture. You need to, you need to make sure that when you are lining yourself up with a wife, that you are of the same mind, the same way that the church is supposed to be of the same mind and the same body. We all are supposed to have, we're supposed to come under the same exact umbrella, like you said, brothers and sisters in Christ, also in the flesh, husband and wife should understand that there is a hierarchy and you do not go outside of the hierarchy because once you go outside of the umbrella of the hierarchy, you get wet. So 
if that's what you want to do, you need to know your place. You need to know your place in, in your role and, and walk in, in that role. Because the second you're outside of it, you will be outside of your covering. And then what happens to you there takes on so many different forms of correction. Either you're gently brought back, either you're, you're broken, you're beaten, you have uh, infirmities of the flesh, uh, you know, you, you're pained or you're brought down or, you know, any of those different kind of things. Or you like you make your living situation terrible <laughs> the man is the head of the woman so if the woman does not respect the man and goes outside of the natural order your home will be full of woes so as a godly man you need to find a godly wife because the one he who finds a wife finds a good thing you find a godly wife that submits to scripture and submits to you, and guess what? You too will produce godly offspring, which the Lord says he wants you to do, produce godly offspring. So it, it's really, there's nothing passive about being think, a There's nothing passive about it. I think the key word in that was submission. The key in all of this is submission. Man submits to God, wife submits to man, both submit to Christ. If you have one particular person that does not submit, there's that chink in the armor. There's the chink in the chain. It's always going to be the reason that the bike, the chain comes off of the bike sprocket because it's not going to able to go. It's going to miss that peg every single time. So the yeah. fact that you submit to God and scripture, she submits to God and scripture, you realize that more responsibility is laid on the husband to do the right thing than the wife. Now, the wife has her own responsibility, but this idea that the women want to take this role, you shouldn't want to. There's more laid upon us to do the right thing than there is you. And so we don't look at it like that. We look at the, hey, look, you're oppressive, telling me what I can't do. That's what the culture promotes. And it's so difficult to put the culture aside. It's everywhere, everywhere. Um, I want to take us a different avenue here uh, briefly um, with my next scripture, which is uh, 1 Timothy 3.2. So let's go there quickly. 1 Timothy 3.2. Now, this is speaking about overseers and deacons. Now, the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. Now, I brought this scripture up for the specific reason that leadership in the church always is paired with how they treat their wife, it seems. Elders, deacons, overseers, you must be faithful to your wife, the wife of one man, the husband of one wife. There must be that. They must have their home in order. Their children must not be unruly. They must be believers. To be a leader in the church, that person has to have his home in order. And to have your home in order, you must be submitted to a higher power and a standard that has to be umbrellaed over your whole home and governing the entire body as a movement so the church can say that person can lead his home. We feel like he can also lead the body. And so to be able to be in a leadership position in the church, you first have to be a leader in your home. And that means men to step up. 
Stop being so passive and milk toast about everything. Well, you know, if it gets done, it gets done. It's your job. It's your job as a man, as a husband to do these things. Teach your wife, teach your children, lead people in prayer, lead people with scripture, explain scripture to them. Don't just say it's in there, figure it out. No, explain it to them. If you have it, give it to them. It's your job to do so. What do you think you're going to do in the church? Your job in the church will be to teach or to show. So I wanted to make that point that the church is going to require you to have this in order before you even come near trying to govern the church. Um, I wanted to uh, leave it open if you had anything you wanted to add to that. I do. I want to add 2 Timothy 3 and 17, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work, thoroughly equipped. What do men have to do? They have to be trained. That is what you're saying pretty much in a nutshell. You have to be trained. You have to be trained to understand that you can't hold a leadership position unless somebody, unless you do the things that you're supposed to do. And how would you know to do those things? You have to read the word. You and like you don't necessarily have to have a mentor or a, uh, a older figure in your life. But if you do, God bless. That's a beautiful thing. But if you don't, the Bible's right here. And the Holy Spirit is the best teacher you'll ever have. So you there's there the Lord has left us with no excuse to not be able to get this right. Everything that you need is here in the Bible. You read, you apply. You read, you apply. You mess up, you fix it. You read, you apply. That's where it is. That's where it is. It's a constant thing. This is not anything that you get overnight. Like Walter said in the beginning of this um in the podcast, where neither one of us should, are where we're supposed to be. Period we're we're moving in that direction and you know with that being said not not all people are going to be able to see that that movement they they may see what you're doing and they may see that you're you're growing and you're developing and you're trying to uh be more godly minded and script and scripture based movements that you are doing but for some reason in their mind all they can remember is who you used to be when you're getting ready to have that conversation all they can think about is the person that they originally got with because like you said neither one of us is perfect neither one we're, we're just now in this in this uh midsection early to midsection of our 30s are just starting to get this deep understanding. Before that, we didn't even have an understanding of like really what it what it really meant to be a believer. We thought we did, but now we're realizing day after day, we're not close. We need to keep pushing. We're not even close. We're not even close, mm -hmm. but we're not even close. But thank God that we're not who we used to be. So this is super pertinent for anybody listening and especially for us. The, those three things is something that I definitely wanted to leave with everybody. If if we don't, if I don't leave anything else with you, be godly, reverence the hierarchy, and train. Be in training. You have to be ready. You have to be. This is a battle, and there's too much passiveness going on in the church. There's too much complacency, and there's too many people that are just wanting everything to be spoon fed to them instead of going out there 
hunting through the word, gathering the food, the life-sustaining food and water that you need to survive, you're, you're too busy waiting for people to do that. If everybody is catering to you, we're not, they're not watching for the wolves at the door. They're not watching for the thieves to come in. The enemy is coming to destroy marriages because this, the, mar the Christian marriage is supposed to resemble Christ in the church. If it's not doing that, that is a clear indication that the enemy is winning. The enemy is winning mm. yeah. enemy is against the body. When marriages fail, that is a black eye to the Christian faith. And we have mm. to come, we have to be here to tell our brothers and sisters in the Lord, this is how you conduct yourself. And if and if this ain't enough, get in there for yourself. This the getting into the Bible is not hard. You open it and you go. You have to remember, this is something that I had a problem with. It's not hard. Be, you're being lazy. That's something that I was having a problem with, was being lazy. I was like, I know I should read, but I don't know. As a godly husband, you can't be lazy. You have to get in the word. You have right. to pray. You have to preach to them. You have to teach to your wife. You have to teach your children. They're not going to get this on their own. This is not something you just figure out. You didn't, Walter, and neither did I. We had to get in the word, even though, even though you had even uh, mother and father over you, and I had a believing mother over me. I did not get a quarter of what I have now. Honestly, I had to forget more of what I learned to what I know now. So, yeah. with that being said, what what do you have to say about that? There's, it's not easy. It's very difficult. And I would say that some of some of the responses that I would I, I've had to cultivate in my life is brokenness. I think pride and anger is is the enemy of a good marriage, mm -hmm. um, because I think if you're broke over a broken marriage or a broken relationship, I think that's your path to restoration, because at that point you've acknowledged that you have a part to play in it instead of always pointing to the other person and saying, it's your fault. When you're broken at that point, you've acknowledged that I have, I, this is partly my fault. It takes two to tango. It takes two to box. It takes two to dance. There is a level of responsibility that you have to claim if your marriage isn't really what you want it to be. Now I'm not saying that it's the one now one person could really be doing everything they want they need to be doing and the other person could be pushing back that's one thing but pray for your spouse mm -hmm. pray for them it, i've had to learn this over a year it's better to just get on your knees together or separate or whatever than to sit up all night and verbally box one another and i, I give a little i huh, i haven't been married very long but if i could give some pieces of advice you don't have to keep fueling the fire. The flesh wants to. I know it does. I, I have to admit, I, I want to sometimes. Even though, even, even when you have that, like, oh, I could best that person. You don't have to, though. And I think that's one of the key things of being in a marriage. Just because you can doesn't mean you need to. And being the bigger man is hard to do. It's difficult. Your culture is against you. Your society's against you. Maybe your family's against you. Maybe when they come around, they're like, oh, man, you kind of just kind of treat that woman however, you know, she, you treat her too good. 
Maybe you do, you do this, you do that. You know, maybe they give you the business because they're not biblically sound. I'll be the first one to tell you that marriage is probably the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Marriage is, is, is right up there with one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. And I have yet to master it. And you read the word and you look at the word and you say, I know what it says. I, I understand. I get what that says. But now how do I apply it? Because to look at it and say, okay, be compassionate with your wife, live with your wife or with respect. Okay. But when the fuel and the flames of the flesh burn up, do you want to be compassionate to that woman? I don't. I, I don't want, I want to be very hurtful. I want to lash out, say things I don't mean because hurt people hurt people. And so when you, when a man feels that he's been disrespected, it is this immediate gut wrenching, quick elbow flinch reaction to then chop and hurt. You don't respect me. Okay. All, all, all's fair game now verbally slash up you. I'm going to tell you what you're not. And, you know, we're, I'm going to let you know how bad of a wife you are since you want to disrespect. And we just get into this very savage wheel where everybody starts to just tear flesh from one another and nobody gets anywhere. You go to bed angry. The, the, the fight normally continues on for the next couple of days. Um, in scripture, and, and, like, and I just jumped in there real quick. Like, yo, go ahead. The, do not let do not let the sunset on your wrath. Do not be forgive, forgive. And and. And what you're saying here, everything, people who said that there's, um, you know, uh, contradictions in scripture or whatever, everything lines up with everything in scripture. There's, there's no contradictions, even, even down into this marriage thing that we're talking about. If you, if you liken this up into other aspects of, uh, of the Christian walk and the Christian faith, it all boils down to the same exact thing, obedience and uh, the fruits of the spirit, you know, like all of those things that all, that all boils down to what you have to do. You, you can't, you can't be a coward. And, and cowards, what they do is they get hurt and then they go and they plot and I'm going to get her. I'll show her when she did. That's cowardness. If she got you, let her know she got you. Tell her, hey, what you said, that broke me in half. If she's like, good, whatever, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Like, okay, you need to leave that be and then go before the almighty. Take your case before the judge. There's nothing you can do, like you said earlier, there's nothing you can do about somebody else. I can't make you be a godly wife. I can't make you get into scripture. I can't make you kneel before the almighty and submit and obey. I can't do that. But what I can do is be diligent. When King David got his uh, best friend killed by putting him on the front line, when he prayed to the almighty, he said, I sinned against you and you only. How could you say something like that? How could you make a statement like that? I'll tell you, because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything on, in this earth, on this earth, above this earth, around it, everything belongs to God. So when I do you wrong, Walter, I'm not doing you wrong. I'm doing God wrong. And if we looked at that more if we, if we looked at that more, if we put that filter over everything, when I'm not diligent with my finances, I'm not diligent with the Lord's money because the, that money that we brought in does not belong to us. 
we God gave us the ability to get the job. God gave us the ability to work, and God gave them the ability to pay us. None of this, none of nothing belongs to us. And when we understand that we're a steward over everything that is placed in there, that we put our stamp on that says, "Oh, this is mine." Everything that you do is a labor of love to the Almighty. And if we put that filter over everything, then we would understand how we are supposed to act, how we are, how we should be thinking about things. Because honestly, it's a mind shift. We have to have a reformation of our mind in order to be able to be God-fearing men, God-fearing husbands, God-fearing wives for the women, God-fearing children. You have to fear God and follow his precepts, his uh, commandments, and, there, and, and all the things that he's laid out here for us to even be able to have an opportunity to do the right thing. Before that, you're, you're, you're dead in the water. You're, you're already, you're not, you're already dead in the water. You're like a ship without a sail, without God. So we need to have that filter over, over everything. What everything we do is it, the, the Lord tells us, the last thing I'm gonna say, the Lord tells us that whatever we find our hands to do, whatever work we find our hands to do, do it with all our strength. We do, we do it with everything that we got. Why is that? When we do our work, we do it unto the Lord. Why is that? Because there's an accountability there. There's no accountability if everything that you did was to a man. Who are you? At any time, I could dismiss you. If you were my boss, I could dismiss you. I'm like, oh, man, he ain't here. Can't see that. But as a believer, we know God sees everything. There is an accounting of everything that's going on here. We cannot afford to be lazy or complacent or any of those things. This is a very intentional. This is a very intentional faith. Right. And being the bigger man looks like weakness in the world's eyes. So when you're the bigger man and you don't initially engage or you don't lash out right away, it's going to look like, oh, you're weak. Oh, you're weak for not engaging in that scenario as a husband and a wife or just as a man in general. You know, when a man doesn't initially want to fight or get all whooped up like that, uh, oh, he's weak, he's soft. That's not true. It actually takes a lot more strength to not engage than it does to engage a lot of times. And so I want, I want it to be very known here. I don't have this. I don't have this. I don't have this all together. I'm not a perfect husband, nor will I be. I'm still working on it through scripture, through the power of the Holy Spirit and the strength that we're given. And I think it's important to be encouraged. I think it's important to have wisdom shared of things that work. Hey, look, this is what worked for me. This is what me and my wife did. This is what I found in the scripture. Maybe you try that, maybe pray. I would encourage everybody that's, on, that's listening to us right now, if you're going to take one practice away from what me and Tyreek have said tonight, pray with your spouse. Take some time to pray with your spouse in the evening or in the morning or whenever you do it and see what that does. Set some time aside for the two of you to be with God. You know, maybe you already have your, I have my own alone time. My wife has her own alone time, but make some time for you guys to come together and pray together as a unit that the Lord would unite you and strengthen you and make you one mind and one body and one flesh, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, all of that. So the Lord will know that you are in one mind together because you kneel before him together. And so um, tonight we just wanted to come and, 
and share that don't quit. Our culture are quitters. Our generation are quitters. If it gets hard, on to the next one. Where's wife two? We are wife three, wife four. We just quit. We just quit. That's all we do. It got hard. I didn't want to endure, persevere. I'm done. Sacrificial love. That means a lot of times you're, I, it's hard for me to say this, but a lot of times you're not going to get what you want. <laughs> you're not going to do it. It's going to be what's better for the other person. And it's not for you to be like, well, I'm, I'm doing what's better for you. I'm just kind of hoping you know what's better for me. You know, I'm hoping that regardless, you do the right thing regardless of what they're doing. And that is difficult. But we're here tonight to encourage you. Don't give up. You're not in it alone. Me and Tyreek are consistently being put under the flame, uh, under the microscope to be tested and tried. And I'm sure everybody else on this podcast that's listening right now is. Did you have anything else you wanted to share tonight? Um, no. So, so we're thankful that you guys are here with us. We're thankful that you uh, listen to the podcast. Please like, subscribe, and share this with others. Uh, we're getting ready to probably put this on a couple more uh, platforms, and we'll let you guys know. But like always, we love you, and God, God bless. bless.